0: Hey, coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. Let's share the game. Awesome to welcome Doug Novak to the Basketball Podcast. Doug Novak is currently an assistant coach for the Northern Kentucky Women's Basketball Program. Novak was last on Episode 21 of the Basketball Podcast and possesses nearly three decades of coaching experience. Most recently, serving as the associate head coach for the men's basketball program at Army West Point during the 2022-23 season. Before West Point, he was the interim head coach for the women's basketball program at Mississippi State in 2021-22. Prior to his lone season with Mississippi State, Novak served as the head men's basketball coach at Bethel University from 2013 to 21. There he had an overall record of 131-68 in eight seasons. He left with the highest winning percentage of any Bethel basketball coach in program history. In 2017, he led the Royals to share of the program's first ever MIAC regular season championship, second ever MIC playoff championship, and second ever NCAA tournament appearance. Doug has previously been an assistant coach at the NCAA Division One's men's level at Tulane and Citadel, and has produced one of the most popular immersionvideos.com all-access products of all time with his video series, All Access Basketball Practice with Doug Novak, that gave access to his practice teaching methodology, as well as unique and exclusive access to a team film session. It is available at Basketball.com. That's dougnovakbasketball.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a while. Too long, too long. I can't believe it, actually, when I looked at the dates. And, you know, you and I talk so much, I guess I take it for granted that, you know, we're sharing a lot of it, but all of our conversations are behind the scenes. So we got to get many of these conversations out in the open for people and uh, to be able to share more, don't we?
1: Yes, I, it's, it's been an interesting adventure over the last three years. And in fact, I, I've got three daughters and my oldest daughter's coaching at the University of New Mexico, women's basketball. And so you get to see their team and, and listen to her as a young coach and this, and the struggles and the excitement that she has in her thirst for knowledge. And then, and I have a 22 year old that's living in Minnesota as a dog groomer. And you're, you're, again, you're experiencing life through your kids and then and then we have our 11 uh, year old hockey player daughter, and she's been along with us for these last few adventures. And she she asked, you know, we lived in Minnesota her whole life. And she goes, why didn't I ever get to move like the other girls did? And so we
0: now she's she said, making up
1: for it. She's making up for it. And and she had a great quote. And she just said, you know, Dad, when you think about it, everything's an adventure because we don't know how it's going to end. And I was like, brilliant. And so sometimes the kids just have such a, they don't have enough words to get in the way and their simplicity and clarity brings things to light and and you really need to listen to them. Obviously we're parents and we're teaching and we're molding and we're doing the best we can with what we know. But at the same time, they have so much valuable knowledge because they're not disrupted by all the other stuff yet and and i just thought that was a great way and, and we phrased our moves as adventures and then she just took it to another level you're right and and too often we do try to write the end of the stories too soon whether it be with a player whether it be with a season is like you don't know the end of the story stop trying to write it we you don't know when that's you know that eureka moment's going to happen for you or the the fog clears so anyway that's that's, it's all, it's always fun to listen to them. And then again, through hockey, it's fun to watch a different sport. I mean, even though I freeze my butt off as I'm watching the practice, but I do like how hockey teaches Yeah, and I, and, and she's been in Minnesota and she's been in New York and now she's um, playing in Cincinnati. And, and, and I like, I know nothing about the sport, but I do know about teaching and, and I like the hockey setup.
0: Well, we'll dive into that a little bit. And uh, Mackenzie Novak, for any coaches that get a chance, connect with her. She's tremendous. Just great insights in terms of the game and everything with it. And then you and I share so much back and forth, having daughters around the same age between that 10 and 12 and uh, Gracie and hearing everything about her and kind of all of her experiences. It's just amazing, isn't it? This generation, because I mean, you you send me stuff sometimes where she's able to repeat and, and in many ways improve on some of the things that you're talking about and trying to share. And it's the same with my daughters. I'm like, well, as soon as I share it to them, in some ways, they're able to make it better because they're able to adapt it to them and their learning and their environment. And that's a pretty cool part of being a parent, isn't it?
1: It, it really is. And and I get goosebumps when when you watch somebody get good at learning how to learn. and there, And I don't know if it's you know, I've had two out of them. my last three years. I've coached females, and and there are some differences overall. Just sometimes the the it seems like there may be some more fear involved with females, or you're maybe wanting to do something right or by rote learning. And in Grace, you know, just working with her on different things. I I love that she doesn't really have that fear in whatever it is she wants to tackle it and. But I think there's a confidence that you get when it is about learning, when it is about experimenting, when it is about trying something. And, and you want to promote that as a father or as a teacher. How did that feel? And then listen. And again, they're giving you back feedback. They're giving you back words. Listen to what they're saying instead of maybe being so rigid with how we want to have something done whether it be swinging a bat, skating, making a layup, shooting a jump shot. It's, and then again, you, 30 years of coaching, you do have a lot more experience and wisdom than she has. But I don't have her eyes and, it, and I am far removed from her eyes. So asking those questions are very important for me to get the feedback so that I can draw upon some knowledge from, from a past experience.
0: Well, and it speaks to the importance of creating a learning environment. And I know those are the kind of the, the two things that we're obsessed with you and I. is like separate from basketball, technical, tactical, it's creating an environment where learning is safe, learning is possible. Learning can be explored beyond just us telling them what to do. And I love the example that you sent me a while back about Grace and this idea of TikTok and this idea that they are learning how to do certain things on their own. That previously we may have caught, for example, movement, memorizing footwork patterns, et cetera. So just share a little bit more in depth about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've watched more TikTok videos than, than I care to, to admit. And, and again, the things that I'm watching, not so much the, the TikTok video or the dance, it's how intense she wants to get it right. And, you know, going back and doing it over and then going back to a room and coming back. And it's, you know, the yeah, memorizing a, a pattern, following, mimicking. And so you're trying to, did, I, I had nothing like that when I was growing up, but maybe I did, you know, in terms of we had one basketball game that you could watch and you knew when it was going to be and you stayed up and, and you watched it, but you carved out time. And then at halftime, you went out to your driveway and you were trying to copy Norm Nixon's fall away jump shot, Dave Bing's runner. And, and so and then you got back in the house. So you had to watch it so intently again. But you know, in some ways, that's what she's doing was something that excites her, you know, through a dance or movement in music. and music. And there is something about sound and music that that kind of brings out the best in all of us. And so you think, well, that's a waste of time, but I don't think so. I think there's in the whole course of learning how to learn that that's that's one component where uh, where it uh, should be celebrated. And yeah. she can laugh at her mistakes too, and I think that's an important thing. It's fun. They make
0: mistakes. They don't get it right all the time. It's goofy. It feels safe to them. But eventually, again, they work towards this excellence and improvement. In that, and Daniel Cole and Town Code talked about stare to learn, which is this mimicry, and it's a beautiful, beautiful way to explain it. And you're right, you and I did this for sure, but we could not do it to the level that these kids can do it. And that's where I come back to coaches all the time and I talk about, we don't need to teach them moves. They can stare at TikTok, they can stare at Instagram, they can learn these moves. We need to better help them apply it in whatever context we can, or in a lot of cases, a lot of the stuff you do to refine it, to be able to apply it. And those are such a big part of this process.
1: Oh, I, I, I totally agree and then and then there's a next phase of it because that's that's fun that's safe and there's some things that disrupt it and it's life in terms of winning and losing so you move that to a competitive environment now not that practice isn't or the mimicking and all of that thing but all of a sudden you're watching a game and and you're looking at a scoreboard And maybe a parent is yelling and screaming from the sides and you're not, you missed the puck, you missed the shot. There's all kinds of things. And all of a sudden this beautiful thing of athletics that we started out with has become a a chaos. And, And, you know, the reason people start something and the reason people stay in something can be completely different. And so how do you keep that joy of learning, gaining wisdom through losses? And, and how do you create that environment where you're as a coach, you're not distracted by it? We we don't get to coach if we don't win enough games. I I totally get that. But when you when it becomes when you get distracted from the teaching, and the thing that I just keep on writing down for the last three years in different programs is be relentlessly patient teaching regardless of results because when it's not going your way last night we got home at probably 3 a.m and it didn't go well our last game and you know the bus driver's breathing too hard the administration doesn't care i mean you could just come up with anything to protect yourself and your ego and those are things pulling you away from the reason that you're here in the first place is to help people get better and enjoy the experience. Now, it winning does help enjoy the experience, but you can't get there right away sometimes. And in some programs, it's really hard to get there. And how focused can you stay? How relentless can you be in teaching and growing people? And it doesn't, When I say it, it doesn't seem like it's that hard, but it is. And and as a coach, you have to gather up all your energy. Like you can go be depressed and do all your things, kick your dog if you want when you come home, get rid of that stuff. But when you come to the office and, and when you're meeting with staff members and other coaches and your players, they need somebody to lean on. They need somebody to know that, I've I've got your back. We've got your back. It didn't go our way yet. Let's not write the end of the story like we talked about before. Let's keep growing. And sometimes you're searching for wins while you're losing. Sometimes you're looking for these small things to give somebody hope. But when, when you see that kind of can get smashed at the same time, and it doesn't take much, it could be you know, maybe a jander walking by and making some sort of uh, a comment that they thought about for two seconds, and you hold on to it, either as a coach or as a player. and And the support systems are so important to keep that innocence of the TikTok moment because we want that. We we want that to be able there, and and we want to win too. And I just think over the course of time, you actually win more that you have a greater percentage of winning when people feel this way. And it doesn't mean that you can't be demanding. You just don't want to be demeaning. I think the first time I heard that was from old coach Don Meyer. And it it really made sense is that you can, and especially when you have relationships with people, they they want demanding. They want to be told that, but they also want to know that what you're saying is growing them instead of like, diminishing their worth as a human being I
0: love that and is one of the hardest things about being patient. patient in the teaching process is that that sport is like this quick fix environment that we've got to fix it because we've got to win we've got to fix it because we've got to do better and those different things that come with it and that tends to take us away from the perspective that all learning is non-linear and all learning is not this just straight upward process
1: it's like you I read this somewhere and i I liked the quote, but you know you can't tug on a plant to make it grow faster it's It's going to grow at it at, at its pace, and there's a proper nurturing that goes with it and and yes, we are under the gun, but, but at the same time, we are the adults and and we need to act like adults, you know in terms of of maturing players and and it's hard you know sometimes you don't feel like an adult and and you want to feel like you know the five-year-old or the six-year-old because the pain is real and and you want it so bad and sometimes you want it more than they do and again that's the relent being relentlessly patient as they come around and you know again as as a, as a dad and a husband and having a family you know you think you know when i first started that thing i thought we were going to have a family meeting and it was going to fix things and what you realize it's it's over time and things that you said that you didn't mean to have stick those are the things that maybe have stuck in you in your kids minds and so it's it's over time that this that it that it comes into fruition it's never one thing it's 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 having a hopefully a philosophy in, in your coaching that grows over time and and again, just reflecting over the the last few years, the things I didn't know that was as important as it was. I, I love teaching. I love the X's and O's, and and you have to have it. Like if you're not good at it, no matter what kind of psychology background you have, it's it doesn't really matter. You they have to know that you know your stuff. But I didn't know how important it was to have. A general philosophy of life that connected to basketball. I just liked it. I thought it was more for me, but it, it I can see where it is for them too. And you think about Phil Jackson, as strange as he was and some of the things that he did with his coaching, and he searched the world to find an offense that fit the way his philosophy of life was. And so he could fit in his smoke and peace pipes with the Triangle offense. but it was so fascinating. That, that he spent that much time and he went through flex and he went and visited Bobby Knight's motion and he went through all of it. And he finally found Tex winner and the triangle just fit him. And to be able to fit the way he thought the world was with an offense or with a defense, he was able to stand the test of time through, through the good and the bad, as opposed to just being a, transactional coach, we either win or we lose. And here's the new set play to fix it. It was more of a way of
0: life. So I, and I know you've heard I've heard you talk about this, but just share it with everyone. Cause when you talk about this life philosophy, you talk about this coaching philosophy. You are actually not talking about this big manifesto. You are talking about condensing it as much as possible to what you call program on an, or philosophy on a napkin program on a napkin, this type of idea that you can fit the most important things in this really small space.
1: Yeah. I just, I think life is just trying to knock you off balance. It's hard. I mean, I I think there's so many distractions, not just for coaches, but for kids and and everything so that you can get scattered. And and if you're not tethered to something, you'll go with anything. Uh, And so it's worth the time to think deeply about things that matter the most to you. And then the things that don't they they they're just not going to get as much of my attention and so so when you ha- when you can put it on a napkin when you can put a few thoughts like these are the the most important things to me and sometimes I'll just ignore something else I'll look away from it I'll I'll address it but I'm not going to address it with the same the same thrust that I would with these things that we, we have said, this is important to us. You know, this raising what I'm going to raise my voice at and what I'm going to whisper at and, and what, and I hate to say this sometimes because you you feel like you're not coaching. Well, you're just ignoring that. Yeah, I am because I think maybe time will solve this one. I mean, maybe, maybe we just need some space, but if I'm trying to solve everything, I'm playing a game of whack-a-mole, And it's the worst feeling ever as a coach when when you're trying to solve every small little problem and and with the same thrust, trying to knock all those things down. But when you can zero in, I've I've decided that these are the most important things to my life. And I've decided that these are the most important things to the basketball program. And fortunately, they kind of coincide. And so I don't I'm not in silos and it and it bleeds into each other and it and it makes like your beliefs outweigh your doubts. And so when you believe in something, it's harder to get knocked off. You will, it's easier to get nudged back and that's why you want to have smart friends to help you when you start to go off a little bit, just to nudge you back and then you have spent the time to say this is what I care about. So L- least people think that you and i just share
0: basketball back and forth one of the things that you share the most with me is like little documentaries or snippets or quotes from music and we both have a shared love of music and i think we're both love music so much because you and i especially you are obsessed with the process because it's the process that leads to the great music it's not all of a sudden okay we have this great product or we have this great fidgeting move it's all the teaching and all the process and all the depth that goes into it. And one of my favorite quotes that you shared with me is that you want to be crazy about your obsession. And you really feel like that's a part of it. And one of the reasons that you're gifted in your craft is you're crazy about it. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's funny that we're drawn to people like that. And now, now some people are not drawn to that and that's okay too. But when I see it, and it And it might be like a Tom Petty documentary that I just saw in the making of the Wild Wildflowers album with Rick Rubin, who is way out there. I probably have very little in common with with his lifestyle or his overall philosophy of something, but when you see somebody work that hard on a project and the process that goes into it, and the and it's we we just see the end product. And, and you just hear it and it's like, that's fantastic. You know, this guy's a genius and, and Tom Petty was, but when you see how he got there and you know, I, the, the one that always comes to mind is, is Phil Knight with that, the book about Nike and a, a shoe dog. And I'm three quarters of the way through the book. And I said, am I reading the right book? There's no way that he survived all this stuff. And Nike is what it is today. We just see Nike and we think it's, it's Nike. And it was like this, like you said, like this straight process of success. And it's not in the music industry really seems to be that. And again, you want to talk about distractors, a musician with all the, everybody loves you. They're screaming for you, 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 the, the temptations, the, the drugs. I mean, there's everything at your disposal and those guys, the ones that have stood the test of time, always seem to, f- to, to say the same thing, that the, the music is the most important thing. How we get there can be very different. Sometimes they change out drummers. Sometimes they have to let drummers go. Sometimes, I mean, they, they move it. But Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers stayed together for 40-plus years. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, same things. Like, How do you do that? I mean, think about some of your teams. One coach said to me, like, or as an AD said, four years is the perfect amount of time for a college athlete. Because after four years, they're ready to go. And you're probably, no matter how good they are, you're probably to, ready to let them go. And you need to have that, almost like a parent. Like, it's time to cut the umbilical cord. It's time for you to do something else. But to keep a team, to keep a family together for that amount of time... It's not luck. It's a lot of hard work and And those guys are so focused on creating something special, something that something that they had their hands on that never existed before. and they produced it. Isn't that amazing? This never existed before. I had these reams of paper and all of these outtakes in a year or two or three or you're just sitting on it and and some of those musicians have sat on on hit songs for over 10 years before they thought it was the right time or before everything but it it's not like it just happened overnight they're constantly it's it's their obsession they're crazy about it in in creating and so Yeah, I'm drawn to that. I think it's fascinating. I think there's so much to learn from people like that.
0: Well, people think like, you know, who would be my dream guest on the podcast? And obviously, yes, Phil Jackson, please do the podcast. I'd love that. But, you know, it'd be someone like Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. It'd be someone like that that's been around. So longevity, success at different stages of their life. And obviously, that process that you talked about there, that to me is like the depth of the conversation that we could have. Would be beautiful and obviously there's benefits from learning from you already mentioned different sports you mentioned different areas of say it's entertainment or business or different things like that and that's another part of your learning right you haven't been restricted to basketball and that's been a beautiful part about how you've been able to expand say beyond some of these
1: traditional and historical norms in coaching right i i think so and again i think it comes back to the the fascination of of just learning, or the curiosity that that allows you to be drawn to something, and, and so there's always a connection there. It's not just some random thing like, "Hey, I want to take a look at that." There's something that that I'm drawn to that connects, and it's probably coming right back to our team, and 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 how it might help them and and sometimes it's embarrassing and sometimes it's with your kids and you know like I'm a western John Wayne type guy I like John Wick stuff it's and and especially after coaching women's basketball I need some more testosterone type things it feels like but then all of a sudden I'm in I'm at a movie theater watching Mary Poppins with with little Grace my well, I guess she was probably about 7 or 8 at the time and I was like I can't believe I'm going to see this and it was fascinating and I'm I'm all into it. And there's probably some pollen in, in the theater. So my eyes are starting to water and I don't really do that stuff. And and I couldn't wait to bring it back to the team and share some lessons from Mary Poppins. And they're looking at me like, are you nuts? Like, you don't really do that. And I said, no, I don't. But it caught me. So being open to, to like you, we all want to figure out our identity, who we are, and, and we get comfortable in there. But there are some times like you know what? I just have to do this as a dad, and I just have to do this. There's something there. there there's something there if you pay attention. and and maybe maybe my greatest gift is just being a noticer and being open to the fact that I may not have all the answers. You know you want to be definitive on your napkin and and but I'm okay testing. I, i'm I'm okay looking. Is there a better way out there? You know, usually it comes back to like I've spent a lot of time, and and this is it has been pretty good, and it's helped a lot of people. But uh, but these these why it what what seems like random, whether it be a music or a, a, mare, a kid's show, there's there's usually something good in there, or something really bad. To say like this is something you might want to stay away from. I love it yeah. when you are grounded in 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 teams. And I don't care how you slice it. You're always on a team. It's, I, I don't know of anybody that's not on a team. In fact, you know, not to make this like religious or anything, but Jesus thought it was so important. He, he went and got 12 disciples. And he wanted a team. And so whether you feel like you're never on the top of the food chain, there's always somebody that you're going to answer to, that you're going to work with. And, and, and I, I never thought, that that was that important to me. But again, it's like, no, that's that's actually when you don't have a team, you find out how important it really is. Being at West Point for you know a small amount of time, it was a year, and listening to those the guys, you, you just figure everybody that wants to go to West Point had little GI Joes, and they just wanted to blow things up, and they're that kind of guy, and very few are like that. Most of the guys that I talked to, and not, I think it's 95% of the instructors there are West Point graduates. They'll teach for five years and they'll go out and do amazing things throughout the world. And just about every one of them said, you know, maybe I had an opportunity to play a sport or play basketball there. And I figured I'm going to serve my five years and then I'm going to get out and I'll have all kinds of great benefits and West Point's a great place. And they stay in there for, for years beyond what they head to. And and every one of them told me, and they said, I I thought it was basketball, but what it was, I liked being on a team, and and going to West Point and being in the military is being on a team, and they just loved it and stayed in it forever. But they they didn't start, you know. That's why I said, why you get into something isn't necessarily why you stay in something. I got into athletics; I was a little bit more coordinated than the, my neighbor. I was a little bit faster and I could do some things. And so that brings you pats on the back that you may have needed at that age. It gives you attention that you might have needed at that age. And then all of a sudden you're in a coaching role and you think that that might be it. But you can't stand the test of time if that's all it is. There's probably got to be something deeper and, and it's not money. 'Cause there there are some jobs that you could pay millions and millions of dollars. And I just don't think it would be worth what it would what it does to your life if you can't have maybe the impact, if you can't have the creative space to do some things and experiment. I mean, it's it's a hard life.
0: So you you mentioned this a little bit in brief, and I wanna dive deeper because I think this is a part of the process that many coaches don't necessarily apply or understand as deeply as they need to acquiring skill we all understand that that's part of the process but to get it to stick it has to be tested can you talk to us more about that process of getting it to stick through
1: testing yeah i mean i think our very first podcast and 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 when i got to know you a little bit more and you're on steroids with with the whole process and in and I didn't. I sure didn't disagree with it, but I was kind of in between. I was on the verge of testing something, but you know, as a younger coach, you're you're talking about, man, our five-on-offense looks good. They are crisp, but they're really ready to go. And then you stick defenders out there, and they lose their minds. And so you, you can't quite, and especially at an early age, you can't like, what's wrong? There's something wrong. You know it. You feel it. It's got to be them because you always protect yourself first as a young coach. It's their fault. And then, and then what you start to realize is that, okay, fine. Like, just so that they know general areas and space is important and you can't have too many people on top of each other, you got to disrupt it. And I, you just can never get to a like, where are we? And, and maybe, you know, just to go back as a younger coach is, is like, I actually need to feel like we're okay. I don't want, I don't want to know, you know, maybe subconsciously you don't want to know exactly where you are because you don't have the answers of how to fix it. You don't have the patience how to fix it. And the older and maybe more experienced you get is like, I've got to have information now. I need it as soon as possible. So anything five on O that's not tested, you got, we want to go through that as quickly as possible and then and then, mess it up a little bit and mess it up with other people, and you know that's for the player, but there's also for the coach too, is that you're testing your week of practice and in a COVID was probably the great example for a, for a lot of us. It's like, boy, I, we need more practice time, we need more practice time and and you always I always feel like we do and we had too much practice time during COVID without being tested because you can only test so much during practice, same bodies. And we needed an outside competition to tell us we did too much of this. We didn't do enough of this. And, and that's where we kind of gain wisdom, but there, but that's a vulnerable spot now because it's, it's your product that you're putting out there. We're all invested in this thing together So when players lose, coaches loses, the school loses, that that was our test. And and there needs to be a grateful component. And and I've mentioned this a few times, and it's hard, and you have to learn how to do it, and you have to fake it sometimes. Thank you, Middle Tennessee, for showing us that we cannot defend the side ball screen. Thank you, John Tower and St. Thomas, for, for showing this. You were better on that particular moment. And now we have information to do with what we want. And that's where the blame game, the whining, complaining, and usually we want to say the players, us, me, and I will go down there in a heartbeat If, if I didn't believe in this so much, if I thought it would help, if I thought demeaning would help, I want to win that bad. If I thought all those things would help, I think I would do it. I just know over the course of coaching, it doesn't. Providing players with hope, teaching like crazy, taking information, taking the pain, being grateful for a result, it's it's huge. Like To be grateful for a result, good or bad, so many times we have to use grateful for something good and 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 i know it just it doesn't it sounds counterintuitive but we need to be grateful regardless because that's where all the good stuff is and then you got to be tough enough you know i think it's physical toughness but this mental toughness to take that information and then put it on a practice plan and then give those players a little bit of hope and then maybe maybe today they bring the practice plan to life because players are the ones that are going to do that. And so are you preparing them? Are you preparing them how to lose? And I, and I know that is a weird thing too, but I do, th- it's so important to learn how to lose. And, and maybe that's why I'm drawn to some of those musicians because they lose a lot. They have some bad songs on there. They have some bad stretches in their careers. They lose. How do they rebound? How do they stay with it? How do they find their voice? And it's and again, it's just you you do it with people, you do it with a group. When you're ready to 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 go nuts or crazy, somebody with wisdom can mentor you back in to what you really believe in. And then like we said before, it's 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 having it on that napkin. This is what I care about. You know what I care about.
0: Coaches, a brief interruption from the podcast to talk about Hoopsalytics. With basketball season approaching quickly, do you have an affordable, powerful stats and analytics system in place yet? Rather than overspending on the same old antiquated stat system, you can get cutting-edge video link stats and deep analytics at around half the price you're paying now. Hoopsalytics analysts will break down games for you so you can instantly measure the effectiveness of your players, lineups, and player combinations. And you can add tracking for your unique plays sets and actions to see what's working and what needs to be improved you can even measure shot quality and things like contested and uncontested shots to improve your offensive points per possession features like interactive shot charts game timeline visualizations assist maps and more makes hoopsalytics an invaluable resource for coaches of all levels discover how hoopsalytics can help you save money and make better data-driven coaching decisions. Visit hoopsalytics.com ball today to learn more and start analyzing your games for free. That's H-O-O-P-S-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S dot com slash ball. I love it. I love that phrasing. Be grateful for a result. And I've gone to when I do consistent player development sessions with different groups. At the beginning, we get together and our cheer is get better. And at the end, it's got better. And then throughout, I'm always encouraging them that after every transition between because we're always offense versus defense between every transition that they thank each other because competing against each other and supporting each other in that way helps make everyone better. Whether you won, you lost, you succeeded, you failed, thank them because the offense or the defense made you better. So I love how you phrase that. And another part that I know you've said is we're actually going to make it worse before you get better, right?
1: <laughs> I just wrote it down, yeah, just just because I think it's and i and I know I learned this through tennis, and Doug I started was an elite tennis player, by the way. I, I started at a late age, and I just picked up the racket in a frying pan grip, which is basically if it's laying on the ground, you just pick it up and And it actually works for a lot of ground strokes, and you could. And I was mimicking Bjorn Borg or Jimmy Connors. McEnroe was a weird one, but I tried it. But that was my version of TikTok, and again, tennis wasn't on TV very much, and so when you you really tried to pay attention. But that grip does not work for a serve, and so I had a pancake serve, and it it actually wasn't bad. And and when I do teach some lessons, I want to know how often are you going to practice? And so there's there's different ages that you might teach. And she goes, and how often are you going to play? So it might be like once a week, and this is my one practice. Well, I'm not going to teach you a real serve. I'm not going to teach you the, the a continental grip where your knuckle is on the first bevel. I'm just going to have you teach, pick it up in a frying pan, barely throw it up, and just hit it like this so that you can play. So that you're going to get it over the net, you're going to get it into the box, and there's a little bit you're just pushing it. You can never be an elite tennis player with the frying pan slapping it right here. You have to change that grip, and and, and the edge of your racket is like this, and you're like, how on earth are my strings going to hit the ball as I'm holding it like this? And you're and you got to pronate a little bit, and, and I can't tell. And but the guy that was helping me with that grip said, you're going to shank. You're going to hit it off the edge five or six times before you can hit the strings, which basically meant you're going to take my frying pan serve, which is good for this level, but will never be able to progress to a higher level. I'm going to make you worse by changing your grip and making you feel like an utter fool, like you are uncoordinated and that you shouldn't be playing the sport. He goes, are you good with that? I was like not really but he, he like I liked his serve I saw it I saw that I wasn't doing what they were doing he gave me the freedom to miss and 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 be bad and then I got a little bit of strings and then he put me down on one knee and then he choked choked up my grip and then he put the strings on my head and then he said now I just want you to serve like this and just go like And automatically, it made my arm pronate the way it was supposed to. But the whole teaching process that he did with that gave me space to be bad, gave me a couple answers in drills to get better. And then all of a sudden, it went from frying pan to not a pretty good serve. And now you're spinning it, you're slicing it, you're doing all kinds of things that I could have never done without that information. Now just that information by itself probably no good cuz I'm saying screw that. Like I'm not doing that. But he he provided an environment where I actually could be bad to get to get better. You know the other interesting thing about tennis as we're talking about some teaching things having players from different countries was 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 an eye opener because American tennis at that time it was kind of the Nick voluntary style where you'd have a thousand balls in a, in a shopping cart. And and the teachers would just toss them out and you go side to side and your thighs would just be burning and make it miss. You're trying to make them. But if I miss, I just miss. It's not that big a deal. And so that's just how it was done. And and then there was a player from South Africa who ended up maybe getting to the semis of Wimbledon. He's a really good players on our team. I was hitting with him one day and he brought out one ball. I said, what are you doing? He goes, this is how we practice in South Africa. I said, one ball? He goes, yeah. Well, you know, when you only have one ball, you have a tendency not to miss because you have to go chase it in the net or go run the ball down. So, so just the mindset of we have one ball and it means a lot. And so block shooting, which we do some of, the grooving a shot, But I don't think you get better as a block, you know, just shooting mindless shots. And I know you've had multiple podcasts about this. I do think there's a place for it. And it's probably early in practice, fine. But I think over the years, to see a shot coming, maybe off of a driving through the middle, and then you have a pass coming there, and it's one ball, it it might be multiple movements into that shot. And and even if it's on air, like I'm, I'm okay with that one. And then you throw a defender out there because I think that's the next level of the shooting or not to shoot the decision-making piece of it. When I was a kid, I remember shooting and shooting and shooting. And the more I shot, and then I went and played games. If I, if I spent too much time just shooting by myself, my shot pocket dropped and it got too slow and I didn't know when to shoot it. And there's something that's going on in your head. that's like, I'm practicing, but I'm not getting better when I play in these games. And and I just thought I'm I need to have I need to play more one on one, or I need to have somebody coming at me. I need to feel how much room I need to get that shot off. So a little bit of block shooting, fine. And then it chore- could be choreographed where they're a baseline drift plus a one up. So I'm sitting there because a lot of kids are just sitting there. Like, I'm not involved in this. Well, if you're playing a conceptual style offense, which more and more people are playing the ball's getting whipped around. Like you better be ready and say that like, I'm the next shot. If this comes and I, and I'm kind of shot ready and all that stuff that you might want to teach. And then you throw, so that's great because that's a teaching component. And then you throw that defender out there, mine or yours or attack and decision-making. I've been thinking about this one quite a bit. It's not, it's not just mine or yours. There's so much to it. It's like one foot or two feet as I'm going to go finish it. How am I going to finish this thing? Do I keep my dribble alive? Do I, I mean, there's so many different things that could be going on that if you're just doing it on air, because you told them, okay, let's get five reps of dribbling down here and going to a Barkley or a Barkley. Let's get five dribbling under and let's get five uh, dribbling out. Okay, there's the technique of keeping a hand on the ball so it doesn't fly on you. But then when do I use these things? And the only way to figure out how to use them is to be tested. And the testing part is going to give you the information. You're going to get a result. So we want to get to results. And then it goes back to the grateful piece. So when you dribble it off your foot or you make the wrong one, be grateful for that because he just told you something. Now, what you do with that information, how you how you process it, are you gonna get are you gonna get pissed? Are you gonna blame him? Are you gonna say this is stupid? Like that's up to you. But the more we can teach people how to use information, and then just you know if it goes in, it doesn't go in. One's good, one's bad, not necessarily. And then as a coach, can you create a little? I hate the word safe space, but it it is relevant. Can you create that space to be bad? Like you're supposed to be bad right now. You can you can help these kids grow. In, in a, but if it's just like screaming and yelling and demeaning, you got to finish that shot. Well, do you think he went up there trying to miss it? No. He did the best he could or she did the best they could with the knowledge they had at that particular time. That's it. So it's on you too. For whatever reason, we have not been able to impart what we see to them. And how do we get there? So it's not just their miss, it's our miss, and we're in this thing together. And I think that's important. I wanted to know that as a player. Do you have my back? Does it have to go in for you to have my back? Because that matters in terms of growth, that matters in terms of getting tight. So much beauty in everything you said
0: there. And uh, as you're saying that uh, example from tennis, multiple balls, you miss one, the next one's coming. So don't worry about that one versus the one ball. That strikes me a little bit about AAU basketball. You play so many games that just don't mean anything. Like we're on to the next one we lost, we won. I, I could I not tell you any of our records for any of my daughter's teams because it just doesn't matter. And that's too bad in a sense, because I'm all for them not mattering if it was really about development. And that means we should have a safe space for coaches and players to try things and to be out of position and not be labeled and just experience and all that. But the problem is we approach all these games like we want to win, but then it means nothing at the end of it, whether we won or lost. And it's such a contradiction. And I wish we would choose one path at least in the experiences that I've had so far, because it would help players either develop a better competitive mindset or just develop better within the framework of this safe space.
1: Well, I mean, we're always trying to protect ourselves from from like pain, but the pain is, is important. and And I'd rather not have it. I'd rather make every shot. I'd rather win every game. I mean, that's what I want. But when it doesn't matter, it, it's hard to grow. Like, you know, again, to to go back to, to Grace's TikTok, for whatever reasons, I have no idea why it matters so much that she gets that dance routine down, but it matters. And so is she getting a medal? Is she getting money? Is she getting, and sometimes it, I'm not even so sure that, that she needs me to watch it. She likes for me to watch it because she'll stay in there for hours trying to get it. And she's not uh, sharing this publicly either, necessarily. No, either, she, she, she has no public mind. account. Yeah. We don't have a public account. I yeah. still am scared to death of... No, me too. It's not
0: media. about it's not about sharing it publicly for pub- public credibility. There's just an obsession about getting it right.
1: Yeah, and and it's and it's hardwired in there and it can be taken out. It It can be... It, it can it can either be grown, which is what you and I, our quest would be to grow that. Our quest is like we're drawn to people that have it. and why do you have it? and why can you keep it? And why can you do it over the test of time? And why haven't you been majorly distracted? I don't ever want to say that nobody's ever distracted. And they're so focused. like nobody is. like you we don't see behind the scenes of how hard they work to stay in the in that zone or whatever you want to call it. But boy, it it hurts my heart to watch, to know that it's in us, and to see an outside force pull it, try to try to diminish it, try to eliminate it. Now that's you know you get to a certain age, it's on you. Like you got to fight for that. You as a as a parent, you're you're trying to protect it, and you're trying to develop it, and you're trying to promote it, and then you're trying to teach them the toughness. So that when the outside is trying to do something to you, you can you can hold firm to to what you believe. But but yeah, watching some youth sports, being being around some other teams that maybe think differently than what I might, you, you're able to see some things, and you're just shaking your head. A, it's like I wouldn't have done it that way. I'll be interested to see how it turns out. And unfortunately, it's like doggone it, I, I'm, I'm right on this stuff. Like, I am very convicted. Like, I've seen enough of this. It's not helping. It might make you feel good temporarily as a coach to do this. It's not helping. And they may have won the game in spite of you. And that happens to all of us. And that's why we have to think deeply and, and get out of the shallow end of the pool and say they won in spite of me. In what I said, but when you are so quick to say it's because of this thing, it, it's more than one thing. And it always is more than one thing. It's it's over time, the the teaching it's over time, learning how to deal with defeat and also learning how to look at your in that we were fortunate. We were very fortunate because they just happened to miss that one. And now we're happy in the film room. If they made that shot, it would have been because your hand was at his chin instead of right at his eye level. But we're not addressing that. So there's so many things being missed between a win and a loss. And you want to keep that as consistent as possible. And and I and I do like saying this in film sessions. I know it feels like we're kind of all over the map, but but that's a championship shot. And, 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 and it lost, you know, that shot if you would have won, if you'd have made it, we would have won the game. And if that shot comes again, you take it again, because that's a championship shot. Over the course of time, the percentages went out. And I didn't understand that as as an athlete coming up. I didn't understand percentages. You either win or you lose, and you're playing against somebody, and they're hot, and they're just making shot after shot, and then you start doing crazy stuff. But you don't understand is that they can't make the fourth one. In fact they can't make the fifth one and if you could have just stayed the course you probably could have won but you started doing something crazy tennis is the same way they're they call it treeing they're treeing on this thing and they're just you're coming to the net you you're you're covering the line you're giving them this much along the um, sideline you can cut it off diagonally and they're just nailing them and you're playing the percentages but then you start, you know what? I'm going to start playing in the middle. Now they have both sides they can go for, it. and then they're topspin lobbing you, and you're just you just lost it. But when you understand, there are percentages just about every game. And and again, I have to be able to take a loss. And a loss is getting past in tennis. A loss is having a closeout and having your hand up and you're contesting the shot and it goes in. It feels like a loss, but you've got to be able to learn how to take that one. Do it again. Do it again, and there's a toughness to it. But if you don't have the knowledge and the wisdom to know that if you keep playing this way, the odds are in your favor. We panic. This isn't working. We need something new. It's like maybe not. Maybe if you just and again, going into something, knowing how you're going to lose is is free it actually frees you up to play a little bit harder to to not panic when they just knock down an elbow jumper. We, we said they're probably going to the way we're covering this, they're going to get a few elbow jumpers and, and they're going to make some. It's not going to beat us.
0: Well, and the other part with that that you're saying is basically you're, you're creating an environment where the decisions are being evaluated independent of the outcome. They can still be right and not have worked. And then right. that creates extra psychological safety for your players in so many ways. The other thing that you have always made me think deeply about, and you, you've caused me to rephrase things in I think a really positive way, is this concept of structure and freedom from decision-making that actually gives players more freedom. And I will give this example. So I'm very unstructured in how I teach initially, but you can always go back to structure is how I've always said it to coaches. And that structure really does help support players. We don't need it all the time, but a lot of times they do need it. And this unstructured, destructured, backed unstructured, and then too structured, it's okay. And you've created that safety for me in understanding what you're saying and applying it to me. So maybe talk about that structure and freedom and that freedom from decision-making.
1: Yeah, the it's like whenever you can find markers on a court... I think I think that's really helped in, in in like giving them a destination. So the the charge restricted area, the charge circle, is is a destination that we wanted to get to. So so w- with speed, we've we've taught a certain way to stop and get into the body that all good players just do, and we try to copy what good players do, and so they can get into your body. And what I and we would teach the technique and. And the technique was good, but I would notice that sometimes there are certain players, and usually a player that's not as coordinated, not as good, and those are the ones you need to help. I mean, you need those guys to be functional. And so you're just watching it, and you're watching it in slow motion. I was like, I don't get it. This is kind of embarrassing because he's doing what I'm saying, but he's not getting the same result as the good player. What is it? And then as I was watching what the good player would do is that just about every time when, when you're driving with your right hand and they would do like a stride stop and then that, the right foot would hit first and then their left foot would hit, that left foot would get in that circle, which would mean that they were actually creating some contact to get some space so that they could get to their skill. And so I started to use that circle Is like you know, the kid that would do the stride stop but maybe not as physical. I said, Can, you got to get that foot in the circle and so they and it just it was i don't want to say magical but it it made a difference for that average player to get a little bit better and and then it came to the point where life's not perfect and you can't always get into that circle with whatever your ball screen reject what i mean whatever's happening now what do we do when you can't get into the circle don't pick it up like like don't pick up the ball keep your dribble alive. And then here are some things you can do. There's there's usually room underneath the basket, but not always. And so you could dribble underneath like hockey. You could just kill it and, and turn it into a Barkley because anything that was being shot outside of that circle, we weren't making. Those were tougher shots. And so we gave them a destination and we tried to free them up by saying, we actually don't want you to take a shot unless you can a, a lay up something good around the rim unless you can get into the circle. And then we looked at that circle and we said, you know what? There's a couple angles within that circle that aren't very good either. And we, we made like little pizza slices. So really, basically, we're talking front of the rim is really good. And then on the sides, hand to the glass on one side or hand to the glass on the other side. But there's these little angles and usually you, if you can visualize like post dribbling and you get to the front of the rim and then you take one more dribble and you're kind of at a 45 degree angle and you're probably going to be falling away shooting the shot. For For years, we've had, when everybody anybody took that shot, it hardly ever went in. And you hardly ever got fouled because you're falling away. But if you could be committed to getting a hand to the glass on the other side or just stop right in the middle, we started calling that home base. And we started working all of our moves out of home base. And we liked the term home base because you're home. That's somewhere where you're familiar with all of our chin fakes and little shimmies, like we work them from right there. Let's get home. So there was, you know, the protection plan idea to extend the play if you can't get to these things. Of course, we want to get there, but we can't always get where we want, giving them a clear destination and then telling them we don't want this. And what happened is it depersonal the instruction. And so before I could before I could say, you know, if they they'll still take some of those shots in those areas where we've said we don't want that shot. What do you think? I took it in the white slice, they would say, because that's the the graphic that McKinsey made for me. It was white and I got I got to get to the gold. And so now they're they're thinking about those things by taking something away and giving them a destination where they want to go to. Is is incredible. And again, you know, a bigger philosophy to that. And it's a fun one to ask a player in, in you know, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of coach do you want to be? Well, you ever ask that to a player? Because it it's like a couple of weeks ago, we have a player that's growing like crazy. And it's like, Whoa, what do you see yourself growing into? And she's like, What do you mean? Like, what do you want to be? And in as you don't have to answer it, because this is a deep question, but it's worth the time to think about is like, where are you going? Having a destination. And again, we talked about the chart circle. That's an easy one. It's a good marker. It it gets your mind thinking, but it but it can be connected to other things. Where are you going and what do you want to be? Which when you when you do have conviction like that, it's much easier to fight off the distractions. And, and we've already talked about how life is just throwing distractions at you. And, and your job is to think deeply about who you want to be, where you want to go, so that when it does happen, whether it's a loss or whether it's a humiliating, you know, we didn't do what we were supposed to do, you know, can you stay on the course and be a relentless teacher to who you want to be?
0: beautiful stuff. And I mean, there's so many things that come up from everything that you say. But one thing I want to just circle back quickly with, and it was this phrasing that came up. Uh, well, you didn't say it here, but you said it to me privately, and I just love it so much. You reconnected me with it. This concept of grace and space workouts. Because I think probably you get asked a lot, like if if Grace wants to play basketball and she went through a phase where she wanted to learn the game. And then my daughters want to learn the game. What are some ways that we can create this kind of space where they can learn and grow on their own? And these grace and space workouts seem to be a great thing. Give them some give them instruction. Give them an opportunity to screw up. Wait a rep before you give the instruction. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, it's I mean, there is, there isn't there is no easy answer to that other than you know. Being a parent in being a noticer and, and, ha- and really having no agenda other than you want them to be passionate about something. So my passion, craziness, obsession, whatever you want to call it, is the game of basketball. It's teaching. It's, it's being on a team and, and all those great things that we've talked about. And, and you know how, the value to those. So, but it doesn't have to be basketball. It doesn't. I mean, if it was music and if it was drama, it, and and you can help, there's a little bit of a spark there. And if you can help it a little bit, I, I think that's that that's the important thing. And then it's, but then there's also a piece too, you know, because we do have more wisdom, we do have more experience in in your, and there's a time for them to hear your words. And, and I think, and my wife and I talk about this all the time. And and she's very, li- my wife is very linear in her thinking, and she's very organized. And she was a great tennis player at the University of Minnesota. And we we go about things so differently. And uh, and I think after our, any type of competition, is we, we want to talk. We want to talk about it. We want to hear it. And and I and I and I learned this through McKinsey. In that, I never wanted to say anything after a, her one of her tennis matches, after her basketball game. If she wanted to bring something up, if she wanted to ask me a question, then then I would do it. But I just, I I know what it feels like after a game. I, I, it's hard for me to talk to anybody. You know, you, it's some places you'll do your media stuff, and you got to figure out how to spin things and and explain what just happened. But then after that, I'm spent, and I want to talk about anything other than that. To I don't, I just don't want to talk about it. So if I feel that way, imagine what you feel like as a kid and they need space to process or maybe not think about it at all. And maybe there's something very gently or lightly that you can open up a conversation, but to come in and start coaching hard after a tough event is, you know, it's probably why why after game talk should be very small, short because you don't know. And so that that's that's some space there that that I like to give my children just so that they can they can feel pain or they could feel the excitement without me weighing them down with even if it's good stuff. Like like let them have it. One quick story, Grace is playing hockey and she's she's actually getting to be a pretty good player. But in the process, she must have had a really bad practice. And my wife took her to the rink and they're coming back. And my wife's came up the stairs and said, You got to go talk to her. She's you can and I could hear her crying in the garage. And we have some of the fake ice built up. And she's just and I hear pucks just flying around the garage. And I could hear in between crying. You got to go talk to her. I said, I don't think so. She's like, What what kind of father are you? <laughs> I said, I I think she needs to feel the pain what? (laughs) This is our, this is our precious child. And I said, no, I think she needs to feel this pain. And, you know, she stayed down there for a long time. And then she came upstairs and, you know, I gave her a little hug and she went to her bedroom. And well, the next week she ends up like just three goals, just killing it. And I think they need room to process. And again, we, we, I don't want to see my daughter in pain ever, but I also know that maybe she needed that. And maybe she needed to stay down there and hit a few more pucks. I don't know. Not that I can even add value to how she sh- how she should hit a puck. But I can add value to giving her space to feel pain, feel joy, and give her a pat on the back when she needs it. And sometimes not too soon.
0: I love it. That's great messaging, not just for parenting, but for dealing with your players as well. And I love that. Those two things connect so much the last thing I just want you to talk about a little bit is this concept of the rabbit hole. Cause I, 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 I love the way (laughs) obviously you and I go down rabbit holes all the time, but that's not what we're talking about here in terms of the gift of not going down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. We, I, I like, I like props. And so we had like a little ice cream truck. And so it started as, you know, somebody just goes off, off topic in, in our house. And, I said, listen, stop chasing the ice cream truck like the like the dog would go chase an ice cream truck. And then the goal of just not going down every rabbit hole that you see, you know, to be able to stay focused in there. there, There's such a good there's a time and a place for it. And I'll go down rabbit holes all the time on my on, on my own volition. I want to do this. And, and, and again, when you are reading biographies, when you're watching these documentaries, when you're listening to podcasts and somebody else has mentioned, and like, I want to know more about that, the connection piece. And it starts with one book, but then something was referenced in that book. And then you go down that rabbit hole and there's a whole story under that. That's fascinating. That's fantastic. But you are in charge of your own learning with that. When, when you're on task and you're trying to complete something... And you go, you start going down the you know, different rabbit holes of order of teaching. There's something wrong in the gym with the garbage can. There's something wrong over here. That, I mean, you're just getting pulled in all different directions. I don't want to go down those rabbit holes. And when you're dealing with a player sometimes on individual conversations, 95% of the time it's about playing time. You, there, there's other behaviors that are coming out, there's this, but if you can deal with the playing time one first and they, and some of them are just, you think you're good at what you do, but some of these kids are better at it than what you are, about getting you down rabbit holes, about moving down here. Now they they might be struggling in life, they might haven't be doing great academically, but you have to respect how good they are about getting you down rabbit holes and changing narratives of, of what the conversation needs to be. And you always have to bring it back. I can't, because if you go there, you can't win that argument. You can't come to a common ground because there's not a winnable solution for the where they want to take you. And so we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We're not talking about that. We're only talking about this. I want more playing time. Okay, I get that. I've made the decision right now that you are not going to play. What do you want? I wanna play. No, I made the decision right now that you are not going to play. Now, what do you want? You're not listening to me, I wanna play. And usually by the third time, by the third time, then they'll tell you something. And so you gotta wait them out like three times and then, and then it'll come to, well, what do you, you wanna get better at? or something you wanna get better at? Well, I wanna work on my left hand finish, okay. Let's get that. So if we can get it off the playing time, because I made the decision you're not going to, is there something else that you want? And and that would, it doesn't work all the time. But a lot of the time, if we can get them lost in the game and then thinking about maybe growing themselves, then you have a chance. But if it becomes strictly about playing time and there's an argument, well, I'm better than him. I said, don't care. I made the decision. I'm the bad guy right now. Now, what else do you want? If I can get them to that conversation, we have a chance. But that's, that's why I bring up rabbit holes in a negative way. And so there's a positive one that, you, that, that are very good for curiosity and creativity. And then there's ones that are destructive and just get you down to places where you can't come to a, a solution.
0: I just love that example. So I'm grateful you shared that with all of us. As much as you and I, when we share like this, seem like we have all the answers and that we know it's going to work out and practice is going to be this amazing environment, this great place for learning. Doug, sometimes it still doesn't work out, does it?
1: No, it, it it doesn't. And I actually have over the last three years learned to have some more empathy. I had such a nice little setup at Bethel, and 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 we had great kids, and you know the foundation of how they were brought up was was fantastic. And and then I've had some some unique moves over the last three years, and in Mississippi State in particular, I do remember and I'm in that situation with practice and and there's nothing that means more to me than having a great practice. And sometimes I, I mean, this sounds weird, but I actually enjoy that probably more so than the game itself, win or lose. You know, there's an initial euphoria of winning, but, but I was, I lost a lot in practice. practice. Yeah. And, and, and so all these great ideas and all these things, I, you know, here's a little juice drill that like every, i Everybody gets going on this one, and it was like nothing. Everything was falling on dead ears, and I wasn't connecting. And, and um, I I'd like to use sarcasm sometimes, and and it just was a disaster, and I was having to pick up the pieces all the time, and, and I had to que- and I questioned some of the things that I spoke very deeply about in terms of having conviction on on over the course of you know all those years I was like they're they're beating me. And you go home and you just you feel like a failure and and am I doing this right? And you just keep coming back and you and I kept coming back. And that's that's where that term relentlessly being patient in teaching. And I know that I have to talk to them a little bit different than I have some other teams. And 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 I really you talk about writing the end of the story. I was ready to write the end of that story is like this is not gonna end well. This is going to be a disaster. And and it's me. Like I couldn't do it. So all this stuff, I want to be tested and I want a result. I was a baby in my back porch. It's like I don't want this result. I I want I didn't want my stuff tested like this because I'm getting my butt kicked and we haven't played a game. Just
0: to qualify for people, you you went to Mississippi State as an assistant coach. And then you ended up becoming the interim head coach at a certain point in the season. And you actually ended up with a winning record and some good wins and some good success. But overall, the challenges really, really were challenging for you.
1: No doubt. And and while I'm thinking, I'm I'm not getting through. Nobody's listening. We're not moving at the pace that I'm accustomed to. I'm failing every day. I mean, that's what I'm feeling. And each day I'd have to roll up the sleeves and come back out there again. And we're going to get this done. And each day I came out there and I lost, And it was over and over. And it's, and, and you talk about having to have some toughness there to stay in the fight and the fight <laughs> was to play good basketball. The fight was everything that we've talked about on this podcast. Everything that I believe in, and to not have it quite work the way it has in the past it, I mean you're really tested like no other, and then I, I i to this day I can't explain what happened. I think they just it it just one day it just flipped and in one day there's there's a press conference and we won a game, and you're hearing one of one of the girls one of the women repeat. The things that we would say in practice, they're hearing it, but there's a trust value, and I get it. I get it more now. And you know, again, two years removed from that, now is that you, why would they trust a coach, any coach? You know, I mean, if if you've had the experience of this is a transactional thing, and you're going to get me the next job, or you're going to get me an SEC title, or you're going to get this, or you're not. And I'm going to get someone else. But if you stay in there with them and they're like, well, maybe he is going to stay here. Maybe he is going to you know, have my back when I need it. Maybe this is going to happen. But that doesn't happen in, in a one-time meeting. That happens day after day, adding value each day, protecting, growing, developing, taking punches. And so you start this thing, you want to be a coach and you want to make an impact. And I want to do this and I want to do that. And you're like, maybe I have, maybe I haven't. But I remember there is like, if I could make a dent, maybe a scratch, like I'll count this as a success, which allowed me to stay in it and not even thinking about the winning or losing, but it's just like, can you just make a little bit of a dent? You know, so you had to maybe... Step back, and that's why I hate when when you move come into new programs and you see like these goals on there. We're going to be NCAA tournament. We're going to win twenty plus games. We're going to do this. Well, you know, maybe you're a program that can do that every year. It's just, it just seems like I go to places where it hasn't been done like that, and you know pretty quick that you're not going to meet some of those goals. And if it's just about those goals and not about the growth part of it, it does. It is harder to to, to connect with those kids while times are tough.
0: It's, it's absolutely a great lesson to be able to share with all of us, as is everything that you share with us all the time. And uh, Doug, so grateful for our friendship and so grateful that you take the time to be able to share with us. And we'll do it again, much sooner than the last one for everyone to listen to, but thank you so much for sharing with us.
1: Uh, Thanks for all you do. It's, it's, it's awesome. And we've talked about before the, the many bike rides I've, I've had that podcast on and And even though, we, we text a lot, and I just feel like we, we talk just about every day because I'm listening to the, all the good stuff that you have out there.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.